0: It's a chronic disease that affects people from the very beginning of life. Most kids are actually diagnosed soon after birth, so the vast majority of people we find out usually within 7 to 14 days of life.
1: But successful research is
0: leading to ever-improving
1: treatments.
2: We are on the horizon of dramatic changes with drugs that are in the last stages of testing.
1: Which is resulting in ever increasing life expectancy.
2: We've been able to push the needle and the average life expectancy now is about 42 years of age.
1: And later, we'll hear from a woman in our community who's thriving despite battling it.
3: I wanted to see my 21st birthday. That was really important to me because throughout my lifetime it was always, she's not going to make it past this.
1: We're learning about systems fibrosis, the transition from pediatric to adult care, and the research making it possible inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Bellmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, Frederick Hospital, Versity Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all of our member institutions. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. It's possible, maybe even likely, that you've heard of cystic fibrosis, or CF. But if you're like me, you probably don't know much about it, its complexities, its consequences, but also the increasing hope for finding a cure for it through rapidly advancing research. Today, we'll learn about CF, beginning with a look at its diagnosis and pediatric care. For this, we had a conversation with Dr. Nicholas Antos, Director of the Cystic Fibrosis Center at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. As a starting point, Dr. Antos gives us a brief overview of what cystic fibrosis is.
0: Cystic fibrosis is a genetic disease where mucus can build up in different organ systems in the body, and most specifically in the lung and the pancreas. And this over time causes increasing problems in the body and problems with their lungs and their digestive system.
1: He then provides a more specific explanation of the Cystic Fibrosis Transmembrane Conductance Regulator, or CFTR, gene and the role it plays
0: in people with CF. So what the CFTR gene is, is it makes a chloride channel in the cell surface, and this is in a lot of different cells in the body, and this helps to move chloride, which obviously everybody thinks of as part of salt, which is sodium chloride. It helps to move that chloride in and out of the cells normally. And when this chloride isn't being removed from the cells normally. When it's not working, what happens is you can get a buildup of mucus, so instead of your body being able to clear out mucus, it gets stuck and can get really, really sticky. So that's what causes the problems in cystic fibrosis.
1: Understanding that, how then, does CF
0: specifically affect the lungs? When the chloride channel isn't working in the lungs, the chloride can't move correctly, and so instead of having nice thin mucus, it gets thick and sticky, and people with cystic fibrosis can't get that mucus out the way they should. That buildup of mucus in the lungs is problematic for a few reasons. Bacteria likes that sort of environment, and so bacteria also starts to grow in the lungs, and then that causes the mucus to get even thicker and even stickier, and really it's that mucus that then leads to the infection with the bacteria, and all that stuff is what causes long-term problems in the lungs. And the buildup can be dangerous, even life-threatening. Yeah, it can, and everybody's a little bit different. Some people get an easier time with them, some people get sicker earlier, but all the treatments that we do help to move out that mucus that gets stuck in the lungs, try to help prevent all that buildup and that bad infection. It also requires CF patients to see their care providers frequently. People probably don't realize that we actually the patients no less than every three months so four times a year at least and more when they get sick so they're coming to our clinic here quite frequently he says while
1: it's vital for patients to minimize contact with bacteria and germs there's no concern for other people to be around someone with cf with one notable exception another person with CF.
0: People with CF are not contagious. So there's nothing that people without cystic fibrosis need to be worried about. But people with cystic fibrosis can't be around anybody else with cystic fibrosis because they do have then the ability to swap that bacteria amongst themselves. Pretty isolating for the people with cystic fibrosis. They can't really get together in groups because again, it's dangerous for their health.
1: Another misconception is that it only affects the lungs. Dr. Antos says it often affects other organs, most commonly the
0: pancreas. The pancreas makes the digestive enzymes that helps you to absorb food. There's a specific tube that those enzymes are secreted from the pancreas, and that tube gets clogged with mucus as well. So kids with the more severe types of cystic fibrosis, we start giving them enzymes to help them absorb food right away. In addition to severe mucus buildup, there can be a wide variety of other symptoms. If they get more of that mucus, they'll cough more. They sometimes do need to come into the hospital for IV antibiotics, and oral antibiotics a lot of times when they get sick. And as I mentioned, the people who have the pancreas problems need to take enzymes, and they need to do that with every meal.
1: Next, Dr. Antos explains the variables involved in who develops CF versus someone who doesn't. The
0: problem is on one of the chromosomes. You have two copies of the gene that makes that chloride channel that we were talking about, and you need to have a problem in the genes on both of those chromosomes in order to truly get cystic fibrosis. So all of the parents are carriers for one of those gene mutations, and the child has to get the mutations from both parents in order to get the disease.
1: How common is being a carrier for the CF gene.
0: Being a carrier for CF is not that uncommon, about 1 in 30 Caucasians are a carrier for the CF gene. It does happen in every other race, it's just more common in Caucasians.
1: If two parents are both carriers, what are the chances their child will be born with CF?
0: Every time two carriers with cystic fibrosis have a child, they have a 1 in 4 chance of the child having cystic fibrosis, a 50% chance of the kid being a carrier, and then a 1 in 4 chance of them getting none of the genes.
1: So then, how many people people have cf in the US
0: and in Wisconsin. There's only about 30,000 people in the country with cystic fibrosis, so it's not a very common disease. And there's about 650 people here in Wisconsin with cystic fibrosis.
1: We'll meet one of them later on today's show. But next, let's learn how CF
0: is diagnosed. Most kids are actually diagnosed soon after birth. Every child who is born here in the state of Wisconsin gets some blood sent to the state lab and it tests specifically for cystic fibrosis on the newborn screen. So the vast majority of people we find out usually within 7 to 14 days of life, that they have cystic fibrosis from that newborn screen. And there's another common test. Something called the sweat chloride test, and that checks to see if your sweat chloride level is elevated. And that's considered the final gold standard for diagnosis of cystic fibrosis. But the vast majority we find out from the newborn screen. But while it's typically
1: diagnosed shortly after birth, there are cases where CF isn't detected until
0: later. It doesn't develop later in life, but there are a few people every year that we miss on the newborn screen. Then we order a sweat test and do that as a way to diagnose it in older people.
1: Does CF affect patients generally the same, or is it more accurate to characterize the level of severity on a spectrum?
0: There's different types of CF. Specifically, if you have the more severe types of genes, it affects both the lung and the pancreas. If you have some milder genes, it won't be quite as severe and it may not affect the pancreas. Some people get sick really early and need more medications earlier. And some people are just lucky and don't get a whole lot of illness. What factors can account for the variance between patients? Some is how severe that genetic variant may be, meaning if you have genes that make the chloride channel not work at all versus a little bit, that affects how bad your cystic fibrosis may be. Other pieces that contribute to it are specifically what bacteria they have or how sick they get.
1: Dr. Antos says treatments for CF also vary between patients, especially when patients receive various treatments.
0: Everybody's on a slightly different regimen. For the people who need pancreatic enzymes, we start that the first time that we see them. We start to add some breathing treatments, something called chest clapping, where they actually pound on the baby's chest to help them move the mucus. And we add other inhaled medications and inhaled antibiotics. Are there clinical trials for pediatric patients with CF? Absolutely. Essentially, every patient is evolved in research pretty soon after birth because everybody's enrolled into a big national database so then we can see changes in cystic fibrosis especially as we get closer to being able to cure the disease. Speaking of a cure, does Dr. Antos believe we might be close to finding one? We're amazingly close considering what a rare disease it is and so probably a lot sooner than we would have thought. We will have a medication that will effectively cure cystic fibrosis. The outlook is completely different than it looked like 10 years ago. I have no doubt that the The vast majority of people with CF are going to live nice long lives into adulthood. It's going to be a completely different world than we used to see in cystic fibrosis. Next,
1: we'll focus on CF research and the transition from pediatric to adult care as we bring in Kayla Pierce.
4: Thanks, Brian. We gained expert insight from Dr. Julie Biller, chief and professor of pulmonary medicine at the Medical College of Wisconsin, who begins by telling us when cystic fibrosis was first identified. The
2: very earliest description of cystic fibrosis comes from European folklore. If a mother kisses the brow of her baby and tastes salt, that child will not survive a year. Fast forward was 1933. Dorothy Anderson, who was a pathologist, published the first literature about cystic fibrosis.
4: Then, fast forward to 1989, when researchers discovered the defective cystic fibrosis gene, leading to better understanding of the disease it also led to effective newborn screening for CF. In
2: 1989, when the gene was identified, the diagnosis was a clinical diagnosis. So waiting for an individual with CF to have symptoms and then the appropriate test to confirm whether there was cystic fibrosis or not. The state of Wisconsin actually has changed that quite significantly because we were involved with a randomized controlled trial looking at the efficacy of newborn screening. And that showed that they could accurately diagnose in infancy and there was a benefit to early diagnosis.
4: Today, there's newborn screening in all 50 states, thanks to the pioneering efforts of the Medical College of Wisconsin and the University of Wisconsin. So
2: instead of waiting for a child to be diagnosed around two years of age, we now diagnose most individuals with CF at two weeks of age and we can intervene very early in the health of the infant with cystic fibrosis.
4: And better understanding of the disease through research hasn't only increased the ability to diagnose it at the beginning of life.
2: Other growth area of diagnoses are adults who, because of inheriting more mild mutations, they were not diagnosed in childhood. And so pulmonologists are diagnosing people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. And there's a heightened level of awareness about adults with cystic fibrosis.
4: The discovery of the defective CF gene and its CFTR protein is also helping researchers develop better drugs for treating CF.
2: That opened up understanding of the protein that is dysfunctional, and there's been a focus on using what they call small molecules to impact the function of the protein. And we now have three treatments based off of that small molecule theory and we're hoping in the next six months or so to have another medication available
4: that's how fast things are advancing through cf research but there do remain challenges the
2: small molecule therapy will not make the proteins 100 percent normal but we think the impact of making the improvements is going to add decades to survival. The other challenge is there's infection and inflammation in the airways. It's a little bit like Goldilocks medicine. You don't want inflammation too high or too low. We want it just right in individuals with cystic fibrosis.
4: Next, Dr. Biller tells us that the multidisciplinary approach used in both CF research and treatment is not only critical, It's
2: historical. Many decades ago, there was studies that showed the benefit of individuals with CF receiving their care to a dedicated multidisciplinary CF team. That was the first time in medicine where they had a multidisciplinary team. And the first time, science showed that there was a benefit in survival and outcomes. So CF has paved the way in the whole concept of multidisciplinary teams, and now you see many of them. But that actually started with cystic fibrosis. She
4: shares some of the disciplines that are commonly part of a CF treatment team. Even
2: though the majority of people will die of progressive lung disease, a lot of other organs in their body are affected. So their pancreas doesn't make the digestive enzymes. Dietitians are on the CF team. Respiratory therapists help them clear the thick infected mucus out of their airways. We have a social worker because we see higher rates of depression and anxiety. So we clearly care about the whole person person, and we want their physical health and their mental health to be optimized. In
4: transitioning patients from pediatric to adult care, Dr. Biller says advancements in treating CF earlier often only delays complications, creating challenges in treating them later in life. The
2: good news is that because we diagnose much earlier, the health of children with cystic fibrosis has really improved quite substantially. And a lot of the complications that individuals can have with CF now, are occurring more in adults. So there's an increased incidence of diabetes, liver disease, sinus disease, bone disease. It is really a very complex disorder affecting lots of organs in the body. But she says
4: developing guidelines for transitioning CF patients from pediatric into adult care
2: is an area of increased focus. The overwhelming majority of children grow into adulthood, but it's getting them ready to take on their healthcare, that handoff from their parents. So there's a lot of work being done on how to cognitively and emotionally prepare children into mature adults with the support of the pediatric team working in concert with the adult team.
4: She gives an example of how research has resulted in guidelines
2: and tools to help patients make the transition. There are different centers trying to find barriers to successful transition and coming up with a set of best practices and guidelines. To learn the names of their medications and how often they should take their medications. Then ultimately, as they get older, how to refill their medications. That's just one example. There's almost a curriculum to
4: growing up. Transitioning CF patients from pediatric care to adult care can be challenging, but these challenges are welcomed because today they're making it to adulthood.
2: In the 1930s, most people with cystic fibrosis died in infancy. In the 1960s, most didn't make it out of kindergarten. When I started getting involved with cystic fibrosis, the median survival was about 25 years of age. And we've been able to push the needle, and the average life expectancy now is about 42 years of age. In her years of CF research,
4: Dr. Biller has seen many discoveries that have translated into improved patient care.
2: One is that we have a larger armamentarium of medications to treat our patients. Secondly, we've had improved improvements in the devices to deliver the treatment. And that just makes it easier for patients to have long, happy, productive lives.
4: And she says with ongoing research, both quality and quantity of life will increase.
2: We think with some of the new therapies that these are going to be significant game changers. And the hope is that we'll be adding decades to life expectancy.
4: The Medical College of Wisconsin participates in many clinical trials for CF.
2: The CF Foundation have a research arm called the Therapeutics Development Network. About 80 CF programs in this country who participate in clinical trials. And so we are actively involved in numerous trials.
4: And Dr. Biller encourages CF patients, and patients of any disease, to consider participating in clinical trials.
2: My message to everybody is they really ought to think about participating in clinical trials. They may help themselves and they may help many more people around the world. Because
4: this type of research is affecting lives through positive change, especially in cystic
2: fibrosis. We are on the horizon of dramatic changes with drugs that are in the last stages of testing. What CF looks like today will not be what CF looks like in the future.
1: (laughs) what's it like going through life with cystic fibrosis today we have an opportunity to find out by all accounts Amy has a full life.
3: I have a husband. I have family that I do a lot with, and I have a wonderful church family. I love crafting. I'm involved with a book club, and that takes up a lot of my time.
1: But living with cystic fibrosis, she's also had a life full of challenges.
3: A lot of focus in my life obviously is my health, but I do try to live as normal of a life as possible.
1: For Amy, Normal is planning her daily life around her disease out of sheer necessity.
3: I schedule my time around my health and around my routine regarding when I have my treatments, things of that nature.
1: And that's been her normal since being diagnosed with CF as a young girl.
3: I was diagnosed at five years old. I can remember it as if it was yesterday because I had a lot of issues. My mom brought me to the hospital all the time. She knew something wasn't right.
1: She remembers the chloride sweat test she underwent to test for CF.
3: Well, I had negative results from that.
1: So next, Amy's mother brought her to see a specialist at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin.
3: And even though my sweat test had been negative, he wanted to treat me for cystic fibrosis.
1: And she's been treated for it ever since. Her earliest memories of having CF aren't bad memories at all.
3: I remember my mom and the doctor talking to me about it. And my mom explained what I needed to do. And for me, it was easy.
1: Amy says her mother is a big reason why it was easy.
3: My mom didn't want anybody to treat me differently. She wanted me to have as normal of a life as possible. I had a fairly normal childhood in my eyes.
1: But her CF came with symptoms that, even at an early age, reminded her and others of her chronic disease.
3: I coughed a lot from a very young age. I was very aware of my cough and very aware of my stomach. If I did not take the medication to absorb the nutrients, I would have a lot of pain.
1: In time, her persistent cough became a source of unwanted attention.
3: When I would cough, it just seemed like people would turn and look at me. And I was very aware of people's responses to how I coughed.
1: C.F. also created certain limitations for her.
3: The limitations were always athletic. If I ran too hard, I would cough, and people would stare at me, and so I would avoid that.
1: In addition to medications that she took, Amy remembers her daily chest physical therapy as a child.
3: So my mom and dad did this three times a day. They would pound or clap my back to kind of drain the mucus from my lungs so that I could cough it up.
1: While this doesn't sound like much fun.
3: My mom and dad were good at trying to make it fun. So my dad would do name that tune. Then he would beat to different tunes and I would have to guess which song he was playing.
1: So as a child, with all her parents did to make her life normal, did Amy have a sense of how serious of a disease cystic fibrosis is?
3: No, even though I knew my cough was different, I didn't think I was different.
1: But the transition from childhood to adolescence brought change, making an already awkward stage of life even more difficult because of her CF.
3: Girls at that time deal with acne and braces, new women issues. And then on top of that, having therapy, I started to have to do aerosols, getting up an hour early to get to school.
1: Once at school, the challenges only got worse.
3: I was teased tremendously in middle school. I was called Weezer. I was asked often when I was gonna die. And it was at that time that I realized, wow, I'm really different from these people.
1: She was different. Because even as an adolescent, living with CF had already made her more mature and enlightened than her peers.
3: I had done some speaking engagements already at Children's Hospital for doctors. I had talked to parents, to other kids with CF, so I was very aware of what cystic fibrosis was at that time.
1: Her understanding of CF also caused her to focus on protecting her parents over protecting herself from the bullying she experienced.
3: Was making sure that if anything bothered me about my disease they did not know about it. Protecting my parents from knowing that I was being teased, knowing that the school that I was going to was not the best school for me.
1: And so keeping it to herself, Amy continued dealing with the bullying
3: gym class, I would have to stop and catch my breath and cough, and so we had to have my doctor write a letter saying that I could no longer participate in cardiovascular activities. I exaggerated that I couldn't do things but really I didn't wanna be teased anymore.
1: To the extent that she needed to make a change.
3: I knew if I stayed in that school system, I would have isolated myself from people at that time. So I asked my parents if there was another place that I could go and that changed everything for me.
1: A new school meant a new opportunity.
3: I told everybody right away what I had and explained it.
1: New friends.
3: I made very good friends. I had a boyfriend. I went to prom.
1: New experiences.
3: Loved my studies, I loved meeting new people, teachers that really encouraged me to be me.
1: All of which gave Amy a new outlook on life.
3: My high school years were the years that I was able to blossom. I found myself.
1: And living with cystic fibrosis.
3: I was very committed to taking care of my health. And maybe I wouldn't have been that aware if I wouldn't have had those experiences in middle school. So I was able to figure out how to enjoy myself and take care of myself at the same time.
1: But the disease is the disease. And Amy says her high school years presented their share of challenges.
3: I got sick easier and in high school you think you're invincible. But I also knew that if I overdid it, I would end up sick. But I didn't let any of the sickness get me down. I just kept going.
1: And she kept going because she was motivated by one specific goal during her teen years.
3: I wanted to see my 21st birthday. That was really important to me because throughout my lifetime it was always, she's not going to see her 7th birthday, she's not going to make it to 15, she's not going to make it past this.
1: Amy also remembers changes in CF treatment due to advancing research.
3: Oh, tons. I can remember huge advances, especially because they discovered the gene in the 80s.
1: Including many research studies she was glad to participate in as a teen.
3: I was always well aware and well informed of what the study was. I always had the choice to be in the study or not. That was very clear to me from a very young age.
1: One advancement in CF therapy she recalls helped her gain independence at a critical time going off to college.
3: When I went into college, I got the therapy vest. This would do compression. So the idea of having independence and not having to rely on someone else to help you, that was a huge
1: breakthrough. But transitioning into adulthood, also meant an entirely new focus on the management of her CF.
3: Because I never as a kid really had to pay attention because my mom was doing that for me. And suddenly having cystic fibrosis, it's like a full-time job.
1: And Amy confesses that sometimes the independence of college life caused her to shift her priorities.
3: Sometimes you don't do your therapy because you're too tired or you need to study. Sorry, Dr. Biller, it is true.
1: (laughs) In many ways, the transition from pediatric to adult care was really a change of facilities rather than physicians.
3: Transitioning to the adult hospital wasn't hard because I still had the same doctor and I believed she was going to give me more control in being independent as an adult and not have to be dependent on anybody else.
1: In her pursuit of independence she's continued to face challenges including reaching end stage CF in her early 30s and needing a double lung transplant.
3: It was devastating because I had to quit my job. I remember the day that I applied for disability. I thought that meant I was gonna die and that bothered me tremendously.
1: But new lungs meant new life.
3: Waking up and taking that first breath, it was as if wind was rushing through my entire body and my entire life. It is beyond a miracle.
1: And she's equally awed by those who made it possible.
3: It's incredible. A family is going through the worst situation in finds it in their hearts to donate their loved one's organs so that someone else can live. Oh, I'm gonna get choked up.
1: Now in her 40s, Amy continues to battle CF.
3: Once you get a transplant, that doesn't mean you're cured. There's still work to do. I'm an older CF patient, I still do my aerosols. Occasionally I do chest physical therapy. But even with all of that, life is a blessing.
1: Does she think they'll one day be a cure?
3: know about a cure, but do I think that there could be a maintenance drug that would change people's lives? Yes, because of the advancements.
1: Until then, she has words of encouragement for anyone fighting cystic fibrosis.
3: Enjoy life. Be thankful for something every day. Never give up, ever. Keep fighting and keep moving forward.
1: Just like Amy <laughs> And now, we're moving forward to wrap up this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Our sincere thanks to today's guests, Dr. Nicholas Antos, Dr. Julie Biller, and special thanks to Amy. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin, and all of our affiliate partners and members, along with Kayla Pierce, I'm Brian Bellmer. Wishing you happier, healthier days ahead. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Belmer. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.